Chevy Equinox with forward collision alert, automatic emergency braking, and available all-wheel drive. It's my ultimate mobile device. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to schedule a test drive. Chevy Equinox. It's your choice. Own it. Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, and our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did. And we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other. So we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. We make it look to this podcast, we want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. <laughs> so welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody's Apparently, the old gender labels of boy and girl are evolving. A new study shows more teenagers are identifying themselves with non-traditional labels such as transgender or gender fluid. So the research out of University of Minnesota and published in uh, the journal Pediatrics found that almost 3% of Minnesota teens did not identify with traditional gender labels like boy and girl. Hmm. So I did a little research on this because I don't... Let's be honest, this is not something we're used to talking about. No, not at all. Um, and But I, I think it's important, particularly with the news, um, recent news about the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics um, focusing on gender fluidity earlier uh-huh. for pediatricians. So according to the National Geographic article that I found, gender is an amalgamation of several elements. Chromosomes, which we know the X's and the Y's. Uh-huh. Anatomy, which is internal sex organs and external genitals. Hormones, the relative levels of testosterone and estrogen, psychology, self-defined gender identity, and culture, socially defined gender behaviors. Uh-huh. So sometimes people who are born with the chromosomes and genitals of one sex realize that they are transgender, meaning they have an internal gender identity that aligns with the opposite sex. So even occasionally with neither gender. This is all uncharted territory for me. Right. The only the only thing that I can say that I've heard recently, um, you know, at the start of school, um, some of my friends have um, in high schools, I have heard stories about how teachers are literally starting the class asking, do you want to be he referred to as he or she or they or him or her? And I don't think those kind of conversations were going on when you and I were in high school. And I wonder, too, is it that Gender fluidity didn't exist or that the conversations didn't exist. Oh, I bet bet it existed and it was just nobody talked about it. Right. So now we have vocabulary and uh, I think we're going to sort of establish that vocabulary with some of our guests. So I should point out that my girls, when I mentioned this, um, they said at sleepaway camp, they had a friend named Miles. Uh, Miles was born a girl and now identifies as a boy, but Miles was sleeping in the girl's cabin because all of Miles' friends are still girls, and he oh. he still has girl anatomy. So, and, and that's all part of the whole explanation about culture and socially defined things. Like, that's... 
that's how their environment was growing up. And so there's like an overlap or just this like gray area, I would think. And what's interesting is that my kids were unflapped. (laughs) Of course. Because that's all they know. That's what, I mean, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And over. So... All right. We like to admit that we don't know what we're doing. We're completely average, absolutely average parents. Um, so we get help from experts. Now, this time, it's not so much that we're talking to a psychologist. We found a couple parents who are going through this, and we wanted to hear their stories. Let me... um Bring them up. Dr. Leonard Sue is a semi-retired vascular surgeon who created a blog about the results of untreated mental illness. He contacted us and offered to talk about his own journey parenting a trans child. And Liz Carlson works in the in the administration at George Washington University in D.C. She's raising one tween and one teen, and her tween is gender fluid. First of all, guys, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hello. Thank you very much. So, Liz, let's start with some definitions, um, wh- and and we know that some of this is changing as we go. So, uh, feel free to just tell us what is out there, and um, and it might change while we're still talking. Um, what's the difference between gender and sex? So, I should preface this by saying I'm not a scientist. I don't study this. I'm not an expert. But uh, in parenting, TJ, my gender non-binary tween, um, I have typically explain this to people like my parents who are a generation uh, older obviously by saying there there are three things that we look at one is biological sex the way the physical characteristics you carry when you're born male female or intersex in rare cases Um, and then there's gender which the way I explain it to them is this is how we have defined masculinity and femininity boyness girlness Um, And then there's attraction, which is the third spectrum, um, whether you're gay, straight, bi. um, And the confluence of all those things is how you eventually develop into your your whole adult being. Uh, The gender piece is where my tween is right now. Uh, TJ is biologically female, but identifies smack in the middle of the gender spectrum um, in that social construct that we've put in place for gender. They do not feel a particular pull to um, the boy side or the girl side, and they they are most comfortable not trying to identify themselves as one or the other. And, and I'm using a plural pronoun for TJ. That's what TJ has chosen to go with the they, them pronoun. That's what I was going to ask you. Um, the When you say they, um, it, it sounds plural, but what the, what the real deal is that TJ does not want to be he or she. Correct. Yes. Um, it, in my dark humor moments, sometimes in my head, I think, could you have just been trans? Because then I could explain that a little better instead of having this 10-minute conversation with everybody who says, well, wait, uh, they is who now? And I'd go from there. But, yes, yeah, so TJ does not... Um, does not feel comfortable using he, she, uh, and and they is really where they come out the most comfortable. They like that that option exists, and there there have been some efforts at um, uh, non gendered uh, pronouns that are not he, she, the zim is one that has has been in use in in certain parts of the country and has taken hold in some areas and not in others. And TJ just uh, felt most comfortable with a they them. I have heard they, them being used, and they use that in the high school. That was one of the parents was talking about. They, mm-hmm. they yeah. asked if that was how they wanted to be addressed. And well, in our high they, schools now are coming in and saying things like, uh, in, in any activity, my older child, who's a 
cisgender female, so they introduce, what's your name, what's your pronoun? Hey, Liz, tell us what cisgender means. Cisgender is the gender of your birth. Um, So my daughter, Anna, identifies as a cisgender female. Born female, identifies that way, does not identify as anything but that. Um, TJ identifies as gender non-binary, not as cisgender. Okay, so I know, and these these vocabulary words are helpful, and we need to get them out. So, um, what does the gendered binary mean? Well, if you think of a binary as a as a light switch, an on or an off, or a one thing or another thing, it's either male or female, and non-binary rejects that um, that binariness and says, "I'm I'm not I'm not on one side of the switch or the other. I'm I'm when you leave the switch in the middle." <laughs> so okay, all right, cool. We're going to switch over to Leonard for a second here. Um, Leonard, so t- tell us your story um, about, tell us about your child, Eliza, yep. but um, the, the history that uh, Eliza has gone through and, and, and your own journey. Sure. Um, Eliza was born, she's 14 now, uh, she was born uh, and assigned male at birth, as some people, uh, that some some people will use that terminology, um, and was born, uh, we, we named her Aiden at the time, and about about two years ago, she started identifying as female um, and knew that sort of this was the way things always were. And um, we went ahead, and, and it actually took her a while to come out to us. Um, and that's mainly on, um, she was just, she just had trouble with it. Because as soon as she came out, it's kind of funny, we were almost more gung-ho about it than she because we didn't quite understand that it's not a binary thing that it is very much a fluid thing so instead of uh well my wife and i were all right let's go out and go get dresses and skirts and get your hair done and your nails done and and whatnot because you know we wanted to be the gung-ho supportive supportive parents yeah and she didn't want to do any of that, and we were like, "Well, what, what, what's going on?" And it was, it took us a while to understand that you don't just flip the switch from blue to pink, <laughs> and go from blue jeans and I don't know what boys, what what are typical boy things to dresses and and whatnot. It, but it, but that's how it was in our heads because. We were extremely binary in our thinking. Um, it turns out she does want to be identified as she, her, and she made that clear. And she is starting to embrace some of the feminine side of things, but I think she'll always be slightly almost tomboyish. Okay. Um and that's just where she's gonna. She's still finding herself on the spectrum, sort of. That had to have um, been incredibly brave of Eliza to, and that shows how comfortable she is with you. That she was able to just spell it out for you and tell you. Did you see it coming? Like, were there things well, that you were like? Funny, hmm. funny you mentioned that because it actually was a source of anxiety. And uh, there's a term, gender dysphoria, which is the distress caused by both psychological confusion, but also the stress of culture um, that gender dis- that, that creates this gender dysphoria. At any rate, she had this, 
and we got her counseling because we just thought maybe she has anxiety or depression. And it was the counselor she was able to come out to first. Okay. And the counselor helped her uh, come out to us. And we've been extremely open about LGBTQ issues and said that no matter what, we would support them. But I think it was just still very hard for her. You know, despite how supportive we were, I have always treated my first child, who is my uh, a daughter, as a daughter, and I treated Aiden as a son. I mean, you know, I I would call, would just say, "Boy, will you come over here?" and things like that. I would, I would, I was very, very binary uh, when we were when the kids were growing up. So I think maybe that might have shaped her perception of how we would take it. I don't know. I actually haven't talked to her about why it was hard for her to come out to us. But anyway, that's so she she did. And once she did, it, things got a lot better in terms of the dysphoria. And um, so how did she change after she was able to come out to you? Um, actually, there's a lot of things that didn't change, uh, except for the, you know, the name was, uh, she made it clear that she wanted to be Elizabeth or Eliza. Um, Elizabeth is her formal name and she goes by Eliza. And otherwise it, it's, it's a funny story. She, she initially took down all of the boy things in her room. So like she had posters of fighter jets and she had drones and she had uh, robotics things and she started to pack those away and then she realized oh yeah wait a minute I can still do that even if I identify as female and uh, of all families we have told both our girls that women can do anything and so that it took her a second to realize that and and so she started putting back all the things. I was going to ask, did she put Um, it back up? She did not put the posters back up, but she's back into, she she is heavily into robotics at school right now. That's awesome. Girls in engineering. Yeah. Oh, she is so into it right now. So I'm going to switch over to Liz to get sort of more of TJ's story. So Liz, how did it come out with you and how did the name TJ come about? Tell us your story. So TJ is 11 now. So this is a this is a young coming out story, especially for something that I think is a maybe of the spectrum things we're talking about is one of the the more difficult ones to wrap your head around. Um, TJ, as they progressed through elementary school, had increasing behavioral social issues in the classroom, and this manifested itself to the extent that I thought and and TJ's dad thought we we need to start seeing a therapist and so we did and TJ started working on a lot of strategies for behavioral management and anger management there's a lot of anger and anxiety and as TJ's therapist put it to us anger is anxiety turned outward and and we were seeing this Uh, we were seeing loss of friends we were seeing a real uh, a kid kind of at loose ends Um, at the same time we have attended for years a very um, politically, socially liberal denomination for a church community, and there are other families who have kids on uh, varying spots on the on the gender identity spectrum. Um, TJ got to know a slightly older kid who identified as non-binary and said, "Can you talk to me more about this kid and and sort of what what their story is?" And so I did. I started having this conversation. I said, "Well, this is this is what they." 
feel. This is how they identify. And TJ said, wait, hang on, can we run down this? And so we did. I kind of ran down a checklist and it was like a light bulb went off. And, and my super precocious then 10 year old said, that's me. That is me. And everything seemed to fall into place. Um, the issues that we had following that were coming out of it in the fifth grade. Um, the school was very supportive. The administration was very supportive. So were the teachers. The kids were the tough spot. These were kids who already were wary of TJ for behavioral issues that had predated this and now just didn't know what to make of TJ. So the boys did not see TJ as one of their own, despite the fact that most of TJ's friends before this had been boys. The girls didn't see TJ as one of their own because TJ does not present as traditionally feminine and his, her, their interests do not run to things that are what we would consider girly 10-year-old interests at all. And by the end of the year, TJ was extremely isolated, um, and that was no good. So we switched schools, uh, fresh start this year for the last year of elementary school, and TJ has now started in a school environment that has not known them as anything but TJ and they, them. And the difference has been palpable. I would say we're still in a bit of a honeymoon period with it, but it's, um, but it's noticeable to me that uh, there are friends that TJ has made just in the first few weeks of school who, when a substitute refers to TJ as she, pop up and say, oh, no, TJ's pronoun is they. And they're having someone come to their defense. That's been not something that TJ is used to seeing, and I think they're starting to build a little trust in their social environment again. So it was, it was a really rocky year last year, no question. And TJ never doubted that we supported them and that we had their back. But you can only take that so far when you're walking into a classroom without mom and dad every day and, and having to sort of navigate those shark-infested waters on your own. Um, TJ's school counselor was phenomenal and their therapist was phenomenal, uh, but socially it was still extremely difficult when TJ's friends just started dropping off. It's so painful. I'm like getting a lump in my throat <laughs> because school, <laughs> <I still do. laughs> school is hard enough as it is in elementary school just sucks socially. Like for everybody, yeah. it's so awkward to add that extra element to it. It's got to be incredibly painful because you just want to scoop them up and like hug them and make it be better. And it's not that every simple. day, <laughs> every day. Yeah. And when Liz, my- when Liz and I were talking about this, um, she brought up our episode about the gift of failure and how hard it is to let your kid navigate the world and and this reminds me of that tracy because you're looking you know like like you would swoop in and, and maybe you know try and save your child from having any hurt and um or sadness or sadness yes so um i wanted to switch to a, a kind of a sweet story so what happened when tj got a haircut oh, man. <laughs> so tj uh, tj stands for tessa jane so Born female, we uh, when we talked about what nicknames to take, TJ was a good gender-neutral nickname that we could roll with that wasn't too much of a departure from uh, from their birth name. And TJ presented initially with longer hair, um, and they kept saying, I want to cut it short, I want to cut it short. And in my brain, I've got little toddler Tessa and these beautiful little locks and tresses, and I'm going, okay. Okay, we can do that. Let's just take it one step at a time because if we do something really drastic, I'm worried that it'll shock you. Come on, I was worried it was going to shock me. Yeah. So, so off we go, and we did the first round of haircut, and um, and it came off, and it was about shoulder length. And as soon as we left, TJ said, "Okay, this is fine. Now I'm ready to cut it all off." 
so I said, all right, give me give me just a little time. And we went back, and TJ got a haircut that you would normally associate with a boy their age. Very short, um, not even like a pixie, just a very short haircut that you would kind of think, oh, that's a, that's a little boy. And when we walked out, I have this picture of TJ with just the most elated expression on their face. It was the weight of the world was off their shoulders. They looked about six inches taller. Their step was, their shoulders were back. Their chest was out. They were so pleased. And I realized, oh, geez, this was, this was all my baggage. Their outside is matching the inside. And this is such a better place for them to be. So it was a, it was a remarkable transition. I love that story. Leonard, let's um, switch back over to you and Eliza. Now Mm -hmm. you mentioned um, as we were prepping that she is starting her transition. So she's 14, right? Yeah. Um, tell me what that's like. So I've read that kids know by age five what gender they are or aren't, and they know. So, but, you know, as I was talking to people about this episode, some people were like, well, they shouldn't transi- transition until they're 18 because um, they might change their minds. How did you get, how did you get to the process of, of letting her transition? Well, our... Uh there there was initially some talk about holding off and just because there are sort of medium steps you can take um the first thing you we did was um implant the it's a testosterone blocker so that she would not complete male puberty uh because once you do that it becomes a little harder to to reverse some of the changes. And so we started with that. And initially, this was like within the first week or so of of her coming out. We're like, okay, well, maybe we'll wait till she's 18 to make sure she knows. But then, then we just realized that was us. And, and just like Liz said, there's a lot of baggage in our own heads. And we realized she's made this decision. She knows what she wants. So we just said, okay, we're going to go forward with the full transition. So we also started um, female hormones, estrogens, and she's been doing that. Um, And it's interesting because uh, we still, we just started doing a very low dose right now, but to go to the, uh, any other dose or to continue on, we actually have to sign a consent. Uh, All all of us have to sign a consent that says that, you know, we understand that she's not 18, but but we're going forward with it. Um, so, so there is. We've heard that 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 wait till eighteen um, talk, but we just realized that was we wanted to wait till eighteen. She didn't. So, so that's what that's where we've been with the transition. And there's not been any majorly outward signs of the transition with the current uh, medication she's on. If anything, though, it, like I said, it stopped the male puberty from continuing. So her voice had already changed a little, which that was actually one of her sources of stress was as her voice became deeper, she felt more alienated to both everyone else and to herself. So, um, but at least, I mean, as far as we can tell, that, that that part has stopped and her voice has been sort of where it is now. So this is a, a loaded question and maybe not easily answered, but 
listening to this for for me um, I have a boy and a girl identify as a boy and a girl I don't know how how to say it I I don't know anything else other than to say it like that but I have a a son and a daughter what is the best advice you could give to parents that maybe starting this chapter just just coming to realizing that there there might be something going on and how how would you what would be advice for them and how to take it on and let's hear from both Uh, of you but let's start with Leonard I would the biggest thing is listen I mean, listen to your child and and free your mind of what you had in mind for that child. I mean, we all as parents do this, right? We we imagine yes. them walking across the stage uh, at a college. We imagine them walking down the aisle. Yeah. And you just have to let that go because, you, you know, you imagine them walking down the aisle in a tux or a dress. You just, you know, you just have to free your mind of that. Um, there are a lot of resources out there now also that help. Um, and this is, uh, so Eliza actually did a lot of this research in secret as, uh, cause I said, like I said, it didn't, she didn't come out until, uh, her counselor helped her come out to us. So she actually, and, and I'm not necessarily, uh, being a proponent of this, but she actually found a lot of information off the internet for herself, which of course can be dangerous. Yes. But she managed to navigate YouTube videos and other sites that she identified with, and that helped her a lot because, and, and she did this kind of without our knowledge. I mean, I knew she was watching some videos, and I, I said, well, that's that's fine. I mean, I would I would sort of look at the video myself and say, well, she's looking at videos about sexuality. That's fine. And I, I, I had some reservations, but I also wanted to not make it scandalous or bad or anything right. like that. So I let her continue. Shame her. Exactly. I didn't want to make put, put a shame or blame around it. And that actually helped her uh, identify and, and sort of understand what she was. Because I, <clears throat> in some ways, disagree with the, you know what your gender is by five, because she actually didn't. Um, and and she knew something was different about her, but she had no I She did not, from age five or whatever, say, I'm a girl in, in a boy's body. She never She never had that sort of... Uh, light come on in her head. Okay. okay. Um, let's switch to Liz because we're running out of time, which is crazy to me. Um, <laughs> Liz, do you have advice that you would offer parents um, who are going through this? Sure. I would start by echoing what Leonard said about listening um, and and shutting the door on your own expectations and assumptions about the way your child's life is going to go. They are a separate person from you and they're going to grow and develop along their course um love them love them just no matter what you may know that there's no thing on this earth that could stop you from ever loving your kid but i promise you if your kid is going through something like this they don't know that for sure unless you tell them and tell them and tell them over and over again so you have to let them know that that you're going to be there you're going to cushion their fall they're you're going to help them navigate this and you're going to be their um, their advocate and their support and then be it and do it. And there are great organizations out there. I've connected with our local PFLAG chapter. And if you go to 
um, the PFLAG website, you can find a chapter in your area, and that's for parents and families of um, not just, I think the original acronym is Parents and Families of Lesbian and Gay individuals, but but it now has expanded to include really anybody on that spectrum, and they, they work a lot with trans issues, they work a lot with gender identity issues, and finding a support system like that um, can really trump what is available within your school system, because my my school system, as progressive and supportive as they have been, knew virtually nothing about this until I came in and said, here's this thing that's happening and you need to you need to get on board and start to learn about this. So the schools won't necessarily, even the counselors uh, may not know what this is. So find those local organizations that are connecting into the LGBTQ community and really helping youth. You can contact student life organizations at your local college and they, even though they're serving college populations, um, they should be able to help you find other organizations in the community that are serving younger populations. Um, you can search for therapists um, who focus on LGBTQ issues. Um, but I think above all of this is just let your kid know you're there for them and love them out loud and defend them. Um, I don't think you can do enough of that. So you mentioned the LGBTQ, right? And um, yes. uh, could you clarify something for us? Because I think some people think um, they associate gender identity with sexual preference. It's not necessarily. No, it, it is a it's a different animal. Yeah, it's a different animal. So gender identity is really this um, construct, the, the social construct or the spectrum of um, your maleness or your femaleness, but it does not necessarily have anything to do with your eventual um, sexual preference for whether you are gay, straight, or bi. TJ, at this point, that's not even on their radar, right. um, not in any kind of meaningful way, at least. Uh, and in fact, they they raised this, my, again, precocious 11-year-old said, well, if I'm non-binary, then I'm not really gay or straight because I don't identify as one or the other, so I can't have a preference for an opposite. There is no opposite. Oh so my, she is wow, pansexual. And my head just exploded, and I went, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's some big thinking. Yeah. It's some big thinking from an 11-year-old kid who has clearly done some done some heavy work ahead of me on this and and that's that's great so we can but the fact that we can have that conversation is is what's important but yeah that the gender identity is a separate thing from your um, from your uh, sexual preferences but when you talk about LGBTQ you're covering a range of um, you're not just covering sexual preference you're also covering um, gender identity the the T is for trans the Q is for queer and and or questioning, and and so you're really um, you're encompassing a broad swath of of preferences and identities and and individuals under that umbrella. So the support organizations have really expanded their missions to to serve all comers. What would you say to parents? So for me, like listening to this, I I'm 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 not familiar with it. I don't understand it, and like it's not like I can flip. A, it's not like flipping a switch, and I just automatically get it. But what mm -hmm. would you? What? How would you ask parents in your social circles if this were to come up? What would be the one thing that you would really wish parents could do, or how they can help you, or be, or, or ask? Can I tell or, you what? Um, can I tell you what TJ said to me when I when I told him I was going to come talk to you guys? Yeah. Sure. I, I said, what would you want people to know? What would you want other parents to know about being non-binary? 
and they had two things to say. First was, try really hard with the pronoun. It means a lot mm-hmm. when you do. Okay. Um, don't throw away our preference on that. And then they said, um, tell them that I'm no different from any boy or any girl. I'm just me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how to break it down any more simply than that. That's what I've told my friends who are new to this world. I've said this, TJ is TJ. They are no different than your kid or any other kid. They're a kid. And that's really all you need to know. Leonard, did you have anything to add to that? I, that's, that's a beautiful, absolute, absolutely beautiful sentiment. I, I would say um, for other parents, one thing that was incredibly helpful, and it's echoing a little bit of what Liz said, is find a, a support group. Because one thing that is absolutely invaluable is having or listening to someone else who's been through the experience and knowing you're not alone and knowing that you also made had misconceptions that you i mean i give a really quick example when we first uh, when she first came out she was still having a lot of gender dysphoria and we thought well wait a minute maybe what why i thought once you came out she'd be like totally relieved and, and initially she wasn't and we interpreted that as well maybe she's having second thoughts <laughs> and i i'm embarrassed to say it now because i was having second thoughts uh, you know again i was putting my own i was transferring my own opinions on it but then when we went to talk to this parenting group they almost every single one of them to to a t said as soon as they came out they still had a lot of distress and dysphoria um it, it just it took some more time and and I just suddenly realized, oh yeah, it's not that she just switched teams and everything's okay. It's there's there's going to be some time on the spectrum where it's just it's difficult for her to identify with anything right now, and that's why she's going through this. And I stopped trying to think, well, maybe she's going to change her mind or something like that, which is just a ridiculous, uh, um, which is just a ridiculous theory. Uh, Theory, exactly. Thank you. Um, so, so, but hearing it from other parents and knowing that others have gone through certain things or whatever, and they may not be exactly like yours, but but it just hearing that was so valuable to me, and I completely just you know find support group that 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 helps a ton. Well, thank you, guys. Um, we're out of time, but I, you were so helpful to us. Um, please give our regards to Eliza and TJ, and um, I hope that this will help some other parents out there who are navigating, um, you know, something no one expects at, at the be- beginning of life when you're holding that little baby, you know, that, that um, things are going to they unwind in different ways. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So that was tough because it's a topic I never considered, but I'm glad I know more now and I'm going to be more aware. Um, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we're that learning. They, yeah. And they shared their story. I have to say that the hardest thing I think is um, you grow, you have kids and, and all you think they're going to be a certain way and the pain is in accepting 
who they are, not who you want them to be. Right. Like, you know, you might want them to be that star baseball player. Maybe they don't like baseball. Like something that simple like that. You just have to accept them for who they are on even the daily level and just know that and just love them like like Liz said. Yeah, love out loud for sure. Um, So apparently labels like boy and girl aren't that important after all. We need to concentrate on treating each other with kindness, acceptance, and respect. We'd love to keep talking about this with you and hear from you you can check out our facebook page uh, apparently or give us a call we have a phone number now 331-704-0046 and we even have our email now right <laughs> it's apparently podcast at gmail.com this is a wgn plus podcast i'm tracy weiner and i'm ann johnsos thanks for listening to apparently we make it look easy we make it look good when everybody sees it 